Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everyone. You are a rowdy but beautiful bunch today. So good to be with you. It's an honor and a privilege to be sharing with you today. Uh, my name is Mike, and I'm part of the, t- the team here. Um, I, for those of you that don't know, I'm married to a beautiful woman called Caroline, and together we have two boys. Uh, we have Jasper, who is uh, just over one and, a half, one and a half years old, and we have Boaz, who is just over three and a half months old. Yes, nice short gap there. We did that well. Uh, now, one thing I'd just love to tell you is that Jasper, he, he's our eldest, he loves his baby brother, Boaz. He is obsessed with him. He, oh, isn't that cute? Look at him praying for him already. So spiritual. Um, he loves him. In, honestly, whenever we wake up in the morning, he's not interested in me or Caroline. He goes, a bow. Always a bow, as if there's multiple bows in the world. Well, I suppose there is. Um, he, so he's saying, a bow. He always wants to see him. And whenever bow's in the room, he just points at him and says, bow. He just loves spending time with him. And as you can see, they're very, very sweet together. But there is a problem because most of these beautiful, lovely, caring, heartfelt moments together end a little like this. <laughs> With Boaz either pretty miffed off, in tears, or on occasion very seriously hurt. For example, Boaz may decide, sorry, Jasper may decide he wants to give Boaz his dummy which is a lovely idea, until it comes hurtling at his face at about 100 miles an hour. Or Jasper might decide that he wants to give Boaz a cuddle, also a lovely idea, until he squeezes him so hard that his eyes literally pop out of his head. Uh, Or maybe the time that he nearly drowned him in the bath by splashing a tsunami over him. Or, of course, there's the times when he just outright body slams him or smacks him in the face. So I think it is very, very fair to say that in the Darbandi house, the most used word over the last three and a half months has been gentle. Will you be gentle with your brother? You have to be gentle to him. And so as you can imagine, when I saw that I was down to preach on gentleness, I just laughed. (laughs) uh, Because um, I can tell you now that trying to teach a three and a half month old to be gentle is like smashing your head against a brick wall. But here we are in our preaching series on the fruit of the Spirit, and hasn't it been incredible? Hasn't it been really good? We've looked at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and today we arrive at gentleness. So what we're looking at today, gentleness. Now, I'd love to just start by addressing the huge elephant in the room, and that is that the world does not exactly teach you that being gentle is a good thing to do. It certainly doesn't teach you that if you want success, if you want to do well, if you want to succeed, then gentleness is the right route. I certainly was never taught to be gentle as I was growing up. I was taught to assert myself, to be bold, to go after the things that I'm after, to look out for me and nobody else. Um, And I actually uh, came across a leadership article um, teaching you, if you want success, this is what you need to do. And I'd love to just share a little bit with you. It says this, never be passive again. Not everything you want will be handed to you. Sometimes you have to go out and get it. If you want major success, you will have to be assertive. These wise quotes, I'll let you be the judge of whether they're wise, will inspire you to express yourself powerfully and authentically. 
Number one, the duty we owe ourselves is, is greater than the duty we owe others. Number two, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're probably on the menu. Number three, if you have major success with assertiveness, you will learn that it is a much healthier route than being a doormat. Number four, the best gifts are never given but claimed. And number five is my personal favorite, never retreat, never explain, get it done and let them howl. <laughs> In other words, the world most often teaches you that gentleness is being weak. If you're gentle, then you're a pushover, you're limp, you certainly are a leader, and you probably won't be successful or get very far in life. But if you've been tracking with us over the past few weeks, then you will have seen that all of the fruits of the Spirit that we have been looking at have two main characteristics. The first is that they are filtered through love. And the second is that they are postures of vulnerability. Haven't we seen that through all of them? They're all filtered through love, and they're all postures of vulnerability. And so all of the fruits, in one way or another, are hugely counter-cultural. And gentleness is no different to that. And that is exactly, sorry, and so it's important to have an accurate perception before we begin of what gentleness is. And what I'd love us to consider today is that gentleness should not be seen as a weakness, but rather a strength. Gentleness should not be seen as a weakness, but rather a strength. And that's exactly what we've been try to, trying to teach Jasper. Rather than making be gentle, like this punishment, this bad thing that we've told him off for doing, we've been teaching him that, um, it's, that he's much bigger than Boaz. And he is. He's literally twice the size, and he's got an extremely large head. Um, so we've been saying, you are really strong. We've been saying, you're really big, and you're really strong, and so you need to be gentle with your brother. You need to be gentle with your little brother. We've been saying that you are a giant in comparison to Boaz. And that's exactly what we've been trying to teach him, to be a gentle giant. And if you're a note taker um, among us today, then that is the title for today's message, Gentle Giants. And so I'd love to just take um, a look at a passage as we begin um, and see God's gentleness in action. And we're going to be looking from 1 Kings 19, but it's going to come up on the screen for you. And it's an encounter between God and Elijah. And Elijah has recently fled to Horeb, and he's not in a very good place. Uh, he's pretty depressed, and he's actually fearing for his life. He's not doing very well at all. And here's what happens. It says this, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore, tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So this is the God of the universe. This is the most powerful being of all time. The one who holds all authority and all power. The everlasting God. The ultimate giant, you might say. You don't get a bigger giant than God the Lord Almighty. The one who can tear the mountains apart. The one who can shatter rocks. The one who came to bring the wind and the earthquakes. The one who can summon fire from nothing comes 
in a gentle whisper. He gets down and he says, Elijah, my boy, what are you doing here? Gently, he deals with him. God is a gentle giant. That's what we're going to be looking at today. God limits himself and his power in order to have a gentle encounter with Elijah. He so values Elijah that he's willing to get down low and be gentle with him with a whisper. You see, the essence of God's nature is not power. Yes, he is all-powerful, but the essence of God's nature is not power. The essence of God's nature is loving gentleness. Elijah's confidence was faltering, but God listens to him without rebuke. And then later on in the passage, um, God restores him gently. He even turns him around gently. He deals with him so gently. And in this passage, we see two displays of power, the big and the powerful and the gentle. We see the giant and the gentle, and God uses gentleness to deal with Elijah. And I think it's uh, significant and intentional that we see both displays of power in this passage, because I think God has been very clever in what he does. So he's showing us and reminding us that he is capable of the power of the big, of the explosion, of the authority, but he's also capable of the gentle. And the contrast that we see is that we see God teaching us the difference between the two and the times to be gentle. He's teaching us the significance of him choosing to be gentle in that moment. And I actually think it's the greatest display of power that God could have used in that moment to decide to limit himself and be gentle, to display gentleness. And in a very similar way, time and time again, the Bible uses the analogy of the good shepherd, good shepherd, sorry, to depict God's gentleness with us. Isaiah 4 says he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. God is a gentle father figure with those that follow him. God is a gentle giant. He's a gentle giant. Now, A slight disclaimer before we go any further, because I know that there's many of you in the room that are already going, hang on a minute, God isn't always gentle. And that is true. He might not always appear to be gentle. There are times when God serves justice, and that is not necessarily viewed as being gentle. But let's remember, we are not the ones to serve justice. God is. So that is his prerogative to do, not ours. Uh, And yes, there is a time for standing up for yourself and being assertive, but you can do so in a gentle manner. Even later in that king's passage, God gives a rebuke to Elijah, but he does it so gently. He does it gently. He turns him around and rebukes him gently. And Jesus most definitely is not a pushover, but he is always gentle. And the opposite of gentleness is not assertive. The opposite of gentleness is clumsy, brutal, unkind, hurtful, and harmful. And God is none of those things. So let's just move on a little bit because I'd love us to consider the most gentle person this world has ever seen and the most gentle act that this world has ever seen. I'm going to be looking at Philippians 2 together and it says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So this is already an instruction, but we're just going to be focusing on what Jesus actually does here. Who being in very nature God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made human in likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." And actually, the word gentleness that we see in the Bible is probably more helpfully seen as humble, his humility, or to bend low. And God so embraces gentleness, God so embraces humility, God so embraces bending low, that the only way for him to fully demonstrate his gentleness to you and to me was to send himself in the flesh. It was as if that whisper that we saw with Elijah wasn't gentle enough. He wanted to come in person, in his very flesh. He wanted God, um, he wanted to see us. He wanted to touch us. He wanted to feel us. He wanted to smell us. And he wanted us to be able to do the same with him. So he arrives completely humbled and completely gentle as a baby And then he lives his life being gentle with all those that he meets. The sinner, the prostitute, the tax collector, you name it, he was gentle with them. Now, Jesus holds all power and all authority, and he was completely sinless and completely blame-free. Yet because of our brokenness, he chose the perfect display of gentleness to you and to me. Even though we were full of sin and rebellion, Jesus took the posture of gentleness and humility. He humbled himself in a display of greatness towards us that was so great that it cost him his life on the cross. I'm just going to say that again. He humbled himself in a display of gentleness that was so great it cost him his life. And let me tell you, no one in all of history will ever be that kind to you. No one in all of history will ever be that gentle towards you. No one in all of history will ever treat you so gently. Jesus could have easily thrown off the Pharisees. He could have easily pulled himself down from the cross and said, no, this is not for me. I am the king of the universe. I am not going to be treated this way. But he chose to limit himself. He chose to limit his power and his authority in order to be gentle to you to me. Jesus chose in that moment and in lots of moments to be a gentle giant. He was rich but he became poor. He was a giant but he chose to be gentle. And just as God did with Elijah, Jesus chose to limit himself to be gentle to us despite his greatness. And now Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. That cuts deep, doesn't it? Have the same mindset of Christ. And that means preferring others. Gentleness begins the moment you are more interested in the flourishing of others than you are in the flourishing of yourself. Gentleness, as with all of the fruits of the Spirit, looks like humbly preferring others. Because without humility, there is no such thing as gentleness. So what does that look like for you and for me? Well, in Ephesians, Paul says, always be gentle and humble with one another. And in Philippians, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. So clearly, it is a command as well as a fruit of the Spirit. 
Now, I just want to say that um, in preparing for this talk, God has really, really been speaking to me. And in fact, I was just sharing with someone before uh, I came up here that I don't think God has ever done such a deep work in me preparing for, some, for a message as he has done in preparing for this one. Uh, because I basically looked at the sermon series outline and I thought, oh, I'm preaching on gentleness. And the first thing that came to my head was, of all of the fruits of the spirits, gentleness is the one that I embody the least. I was like, I'm not gentle. And to be honest, I'm not sure that I want to be gentle. And also, I've been, I've been speaking to a lot of people about preparing this, and loads of people, their first reaction has been, gosh, I'm not gentle, and I'm not sure I want to be gentle either. Um, but, you know, because I was brought up to be assertive, as I said earlier, I was brought up to kind of fight for the things that I want, to be clinical in my dealings with people, to stand my ground. Um, I was told that that is the way to do things, that is the way that you get success in your life, is to follow that route of assertion and standing up for yourself. And that's not all wrong. But if it's not done with a posture of gentleness and humility, then it is seriously, seriously wrong. And God has honestly wrecked me as I've begun to dig into this. I realized very painfully that I am not always gentle with a lot of people. And actually, I've been going on a journey over the past couple of weeks of having to really feeling compelled to reach out to those people and say, do you know what? I have not been gentle with you, and I'm so sorry, and I repent for that, and I'm going to really try uh, to move forward and stop being so non-gentle and try and live gentleness. So I certainly don't stand here saying that I've got it all sorted, so we're all in this together. Um, But one of the things that God first highlighted to me in looking at gentleness was the power of the tongue. And James 3 talks a lot about the power of the tongue and the potential that it has for evil and hurt and harm if we aren't careful. But Proverbs 15 says that gentle words are like a tree of life. So what does that mean? Well, that means that we have a choice. When we use our words with people, we have a choice to be gentle and to speak words of life, or we can choose to use our tongue and our actions for bad. And so each one of us, every single person in this room, has power and authority. Each one of us have relationships and areas of influence. Whether you believe it or not, it is true. And it is probably more than we realize. But everywhere you go, everyone that you speak to, everyone that you encounter, every email that you send, every text that you send, every conversation that you have, you are exercising your God-given influence, power, and authority. We are each giants. We are co-heirs with Christ. You are all giants. The question that I'm posing to us today is, will we choose to be gentle ones? Will we choose to be gentle giants? Just as I've been teaching Jasper or trying to teach him, we need to teach ourselves that sometimes limiting our power and limiting our authority is actually the greatest display of strength that we can choose in a moment. Nothing shows your strength greater than the measure of your gentleness. Let me say that again. Nothing shows your strength greater than the measure of your gentleness. And here's the thing. Most of the time, we aren't gentle with people. It's because we're hurt or offended or they've let us down. Think about it. It's pretty easy to be gentle with people who are kind to you and don't rub you up the wrong way. Um, But when when we're not gentle with people, just take a moment and think, one of the times that I've not been gentle, it's because we've been offended or something's crossed us or something's kind of rubbed us up the wrong way or we've not quite liked the way it's gone down, our expectations haven't been met. And nine times out of ten, 
I would bet that when that is the case, when you feel hurt or offended or something's not gone right, it's because it feels like an assault on your identity. It's felt like someone hasn't seen you, someone hasn't valued you, someone hasn't respected you in that moment properly or they haven't thought about you carefully enough and that has hurt you. So what is the key? How do we deal with it? I'm going to start to get a bit more practical. Uh, well, in John 8, um, there's a, a passage that I'm sure many of you will know really well. And the Pharisees bring a woman who is caught in adultery to Jesus and they expect him to agree to stoning her. They say, this woman has been caught in adultery. That is against the Torah. We should stone her, surely. But instead, he says, let whoever is without sin cast the first stone. He deals with them gently. He doesn't point the finger. He doesn't condemn. He simply recognizes all of humanity's brokenness, that we all get it wrong, that we're all falling short of the standard set for us. And instead, he deals with the woman gently. He corrects her and says, go and sin no more. But he does it gently. And nor does he condemn the Pharisees. He deals with them gently too. He could have got them caught up in a whole load of stuff and shown them just how wrong they were to try and get him to stone this woman. But instead, he just deals with them gently and says, let whoever is without sin cast the first stone. And so I think there's two things that we can learn from this encounter. The first is you're a giant. The second is be gentle. It's very simple today. You're a giant, be gentle. So, number one, you're a giant. Remember your security and your identity is in Jesus. Jesus was secure in who he was. He knew what he was about. He knew what he stood for. He knew who God was. He knew that that was what made him right. He didn't have any problem associating with the woman because he knew that her sin and her brokenness could not impact him and who he was. And that's exactly what the Pharisees thought they were trying to trip him up on. They thought that he wouldn't want to be associated with her um, because you couldn't do that in those days. But he knew who he was. He knew his authority. He knew that getting involved in the situation wasn't going to be a problem to him. And so when we remember that we have kingdom strength and authority, when we remember our identity in Christ Jesus as co-heirs with Christ, then we remember that we have authority. And we need to remember that we are people of strength and influence when we're in our dealings with people. Because in every situation we find ourselves in, that doesn't change. And sometimes it feels like it. And that's when we start to not be gentle with people, when our confidence in ourselves starts to falter. But when we can remember that truth, then it's really helpful because we, um, we know that when we have the opportunity to be gentle, or the opposite of gentle, cold, blunt, mean, etc., uh, then we can remind ourselves, actually, I'm a giant. And I need to choose to limit myself and be gentle in this situation. Because when we forget the authority and influence that we have, when our confidence in ourselves begins to flail, then actually what happens is we forget that the words that we use can be hurtful and that the words that we use can be unkind. And we forget that they will have an impact on other people because we don't believe that we have authority, but we do. And so when we remember that, we know that it can make a difference. So we steward them so carefully. When we know the authority we have as a giant, we remind ourselves that we need to be gentle. And so, and lastly, uh, we just need to remember that it's not about us in that moment. I know for me, whenever I'm acting in an ungentle way, it's because I've taken personal offense and I've thought it was about me. And Jesus knew in that moment that that situation was not about him. He knew that it was about the woman and the Pharisees and a teaching moment. 
And so he kept it about them. Galatians 2, 1 to 2 says, If someone is caught in sin, restore him gently, but watch yourself. In other words, don't get dragged in. Whenever we're not gentle, we've often been dragged into a situation that we probably shouldn't have been in in the first place. Jesus didn't take offense about being caught up in the debate. And giants know that there isn't a lot that can affect them. And so we're giants, and so we know that there isn't a lot that can affect us. We can take things to Jesus. We can take things to the cross. We don't need to take it to other people. So if we don't think that we're a giant, then we won't think we have uh, influence, and we won't care how we act. And that's why we need to remember to be gentle when we remember that we're giants. So number one, you're a giant. Number two, be gentle. So here's the thing. Here's a tagline. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And actually, I feel like that could be a bit of a tagline for all of Christianity and Tim Miller's preaching on self-control in a couple of weeks, and you can have that one for free, my friend. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Jesus could have made it really clear that he was the son of God in that moment. He could have flounced about the place, telling everyone the authority that he has, telling everyone that he knew better than them. Um, he could have condemned the woman and the Pharisees and the um, woman all at the same time, but he chose not to. He chose to limit himself and be gentle. It's a little bit like, um, I've been thinking about this over the past few weeks, it's a little bit like an egg and spoon race, right? So when you've got an egg and a spoon race, you've got your spoon and you've got the egg and you need to get to the end and try and win the race. You could, if you wanted to, hurtle ahead at 100 miles an hour and you'll be sure to win the race, but you would cause some damage and destruction as you go. In order to win an egg and a spoon race, you have to go smoothly and gently and carefully in order to do it properly. It's about knowing that you have strength, but choosing not to use it. And that's when we remember that the power of our voice and our actions yield is significant, so we need to be careful how we use it. Because, and also, a little grace goes a long way. A little grace goes a long way. Jesus chose in that moment to extend grace to both of them. He could have condemned them, but he chose not to. He extended grace to both parties. Go and sin no more. Sometimes grace is needed, even if we don't feel like it. Uh, just another little story. So um, Jasper, our eldest, is not sleeping particularly well at the moment, would be a kind way of putting it. Uh, waking up in the night, very, very angry. And let me tell you, I have never known it would be possible for such a tiny human being to harbor so much anger. But <laughs> that is what happens in the middle of the night. Um, and for quite a long time, I was getting caught up in the moment. I was getting wound up. I was saying, why are you doing this to me? It felt like a personal offense on me and my sleep and my well-being with him waking up and screaming for no apparent reason in the middle of the night. And then I would just get more and more wound up and then I'd end up shouting at him and then the situation would escalate and just, you know, you can imagine. It wasn't a pretty sight. But as I began to remember who I was, I was, I'm the parent, who I was, I am the one that has the authority and the security in this moment. When I remembered that I'm the parent, I remembered that he was not intentionally trying to ruin my life, even though it felt like that at the time. He was just upset, and he just needed me. And so when I realized that, it opened up the way for me to be gentle. It opened up the way for me to be calm with him, to talk to him gently, to say, my boy. You remember that passage with God, my boy, what's wrong? What's happening? 
be gentle. And actually, gentleness was the only way he was going to calm down and go back to sleep. So I found that quite helpful. Um, and, and then just, I'd love to just share with you a little personal thing. And this, this might not be relevant to everybody, but my sense was that it could be relevant to quite a few of us here. And so, I, I, as I said, you know, this talk, preparing for it, has really challenged me. And I've been thinking to myself, why wasn't I being gentle with people? And there were, there were certain moments when I kind of looked back and I could, if I dared, to go back and open an email and think, what on earth was I thinking when I wrote that? Um, but there are moments when I have not been gentle with people. Um, and I, I'd begun on a journey with God asking, what, what was going on there? Why was I not being gentle? And I, I mentioned earlier that I kind of wasn't brought up to embrace gentleness. You know, my family are kind of quite cold and clinical and told to just go after things. And what that has meant is that actually most of the people in authority over my life before I became a Christian haven't modeled gentleness with me. So I haven't learned what gentleness is. I haven't learned that it was appropriate. Um, and when I've needed gentleness, I haven't had it. And what that has done is impacted my identity. And it's impacted what I believe about myself. And so when I get an inkling of someone else potentially not thinking about me in all the situations that we're having, then this big blurt of non-gentleness comes out of me. Um, and so it's when I've begun to realize that if you don't see yourself as a giant, then you won't be gentle. That's when the penny really dropped for me. Like, if I can trust that God is the one who is so gentle with me, God is the one who says who I am and my authority, that's when I can learn to be gentle with others. That's how I can learn to remain steadfast and calm in all situations that life faces me. So true strength is limiting ourselves in order to be gentle. And think about this, like strong people who lift weights, think about a weightlifter, strong people who lift weights aren't flailing them about themselves about the place in like a million miles an hour. They actually, they lift the weight really carefully and they lower it down really carefully. If you go to a gym, that is where you know the person is really strong, when they can hold the weight and they can just go so gentle and so slow. It's not the people that are often holding a bigger weight, but they're kind of going like this, and they can't quite control it. They can't, they can't deal with what they've got in their hands. Strong people deal with what they've got in their hands, and they do it gently and smoothly and calmly. There is nothing that shows your strength better than the measure of your gentleness. And just before we close, this band want to come back up. We're going to pray in a moment. Um, I'd love to just read through these. Aren't mine. Uh, I found them on the internet. Ten practical ways to be gentle. Because I think it's really helpful to kind of just be super practical and think about some things. Because as we've seen with all of the fruits of the Spirit, there's a balance between God working in us and through us and us being intentional. So I'm literally just going to read this list really quickly. Number one, be considerate of others' feelings and needs. In a situation, think about the people around you. What's going on? What do they need? What's going on for them? Number two, show empathy. Empathy is acknowledging another person's point of view to understand their feelings too. Number three, and I think this is really crucial, be patient. Ephesians 4.2 says, be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Number four, remember the golden rule. Treat others the way that you would want to be treated. Number five, speak respectfully to everyone. Consider others as important and worthy of kind regard and watch your tone. Number six, speak peace. Search for solutions and a common ground. 
Number seven, be a calm presence. Number eight, act with tenderness and love. Number nine, listen more than you speak or act. And number 10, be humble as you serve and care for others. Shall we stand? God is a gentle giant. Jesus is a gentle giant. We are each giants. We have influence and authority. Will we choose to be gentle with it? Will we choose to steward the authority that we have gently? And I'm sure that for for many of us, you might be kind of having a little moment like I did a week or so ago when I was preparing for this talk and a couple of encounters are just running through your mind of times when you've not really been as gentle as you wish that you had been. And so I'm not going to ask you to reveal that to anyone. I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and open their hands. And I'm just going to allow you a moment if you feel that that resonates with you to just come before the Lord and just repent. And repentance means apologizing and turning around. So it's just saying before Jesus, God, I'm sorry for the times when I haven't been gentle with people. Maybe pray a blessing over that person and ask God to teach you what it looks like to be gentle in the everyday. sorry for the times when we haven't been gentle we're grateful that you displayed the greatest measure of gentleness for us that we could ever ask or imagine we pray that for anyone who we've not been gentle with you would pour a blessing upon them and that you would help us to step out in more gentleness and humility come by the power of your spirit not in our own strength but in yours and it may be that for a few of us here today you know that actually you you either haven't felt like others have treated you gently and as a result you you don't allow God to be gentle with you and you certainly wouldn't be gentle with yourself and actually until we can allow God to be gentle with us and until we can be gentle with ourselves we certainly aren't going to get this right Matthew 11 says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden for I am gentle and humble in heart So let's just take a moment and allow God to be gentle with us. And, and if you feel like that particularly resonates and perhaps you just want to raise a hand and as a way of just kind of saying before God, I'm ready to receive your gentleness. Or maybe I'm not ready, but I would like to be ready. I'd like to receive your gentleness now. And we're just going to ask the Spirit to come and be present and begin 
to be gentle and humble in heart with us. I can see a few people raising hands, so we just pray a blessing over you. We pray that the Spirit would come and fill you afresh, that you would know the Father's heart for you in this moment. Just like he got down low and whispered to Elijah, my boy, he's saying to you, my boy, my daughter, I'm here. He's ready to embrace you. We're just going to continue to receive and and pray. And, you know, you're all growing up, so you're all giants. You can lead yourself in this moment with Jesus. And the band are just going to sing over us. And you might want to join in if you want to. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website gastric.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.